They've watched Citizen Kane a combined 200 times. Elliot's first words were, I personally thought the use of Dutch angles was derivative in the 400 blows. In Nathan's favorite historical figure is Fritz Lang. Now they're bringing that snootiness to you with Magellan's at the Movies. Here we go. <laughs> Very exciting. We're back. I'm introducing us again instead of Elliot because he did such a just a terrible job. I had a lot of negative reviews, uh, a lot of people texting me, calling me, just saying that they couldn't stand hearing his voice before mine. So I'm here. Uh, I'm here with my co-host. I think Shadow's over there. <laughs> and... Uh, my co-co-host, Elliot Mogolyan. So, Elliot, why don't you say hi to the people at home? Well, you're really recycling all of the banter that I did uh, when I was introducing things. Clever stuff. <laughs> well, you know, you basically recycle the same format every week for the description of some ridiculous non-sequitur story and then a bunch of big words that you Google before you write it. So nothing's original, you know, there's nothing new under the sun as Solomon said. I'll have, you know, those descriptions, a lot of work goes into them. It takes like at least 10 minutes to Google all the big words that I need to make them sound halfway literate and articulate. I bet. I bet. I bet. Hey, do you think we uh, should, well, uh, sponsor a candidate for the upcoming midterms elections because i was i was i've been seeing a lot of sponsors for candidates you know and i was just thinking that that could be a way for us to not only make some money well do you get paid for sponsoring i uh, i feel like you shouldn't because that seems kind of sketchy if you're supposed to be a trusted voice telling your listeners to go vote for someone as opposed to just go buy something. I hope you don't. I'm sure you probably do, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I could try. I could try reaching out to, um, I have no idea who's currently running in Iowa because I'm a poor citizen, but I could try reaching out to people and see if they want to get sponsored or get a shout out. Maybe we could have them on as a guest. Yeah, I mean, I think that a little bit of under-the-table backroom dealing is in order. I mean, we've earned it. We we put, like, yeah. minutes and minutes of work into this podcast every week. <clears throat> I'd say it's time to cash in. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I've been trying to cash in in a lot of, you know, different sketchy ways through the podcast. So I think that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Okay, we'll discuss it for next week. Maybe we'll do, um, oh shoot, what's the name of the movie? Lawnmower Man? Is that the one where the guy's doing sketchy political stuff? I was thinking of like all the president's men or the Manchurian candidate. Oh, Manchurian candidate. That's what I, that's what I was trying to think of. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll do that. Anyway, anyway, just absolutely bizarre every time we try and get this started. This week, we're doing Finding Nemo. I got to choose. I chose, I wanted to do a Pixar movie because uh, I love Pixar like a lot of people my age grew up going to Pixar movies in the theaters. These were the movies I watched as a kid. And as I've grown up into an adult and a bit of a connoisseur of film, I have returned to a lot of these and found them to be just as good as I did when they were a kid. And Finding Nemo is one of my favorites. So I wanted to do it. In case you're not familiar with it, not familiar with the film, it's a 2003 movie directed by Andrew Stanton. It is about a guy, a fish, trying to find his son Nemo. It's about finding Nemo. It's really groundbreaking there. It was nominated for four Academy Awards, Best Animated Feature, which it won, and then Best Screenplay, Best Score, and Best Sound Editing, which it lost because that was the year that Return of the King won literally everything. So, But, uh, yeah, so that's a brief overview of the film. Elliot, what do you think on this on this watch? Maybe, you know, how do you feel about Finding Nemo, and how do you feel now about Finding Nemo? Okay, well... If you're asking me about different times in my life, then you're going to need to switch up one of those verb tenses. Uh, how, how did you feel about Finding Nemo? And how did you, you go. feel about There you go. Uh, I don't know. I don't really remember how I felt about it. I think I liked it uh, mainly for the quirky side characters. So, like, Dory, obviously... All of the fish in the tank in the dentist's office, that kind of thing. You know, the stuff that most children probably like about this movie. Watching it again, I I liked it quite a bit. It's a really sweet, heartwarming story. Yeah, there's... It's interesting if you look into, like, criticisms of Pixar movies. A lot of the times you'll find a line of attack that basically accuses the movies of not being kitty enough. Like, mm-hmm. their themes are too... Com- excuse me. Too complex. Uh, the story often too dark or too mature, and everyone should just watch children should just be watching shrek or the minions uh just making fart jokes all the time that's right i hate shrek and i do not apologize well i've never seen shrek or minions so i can't can't comment on those um things but i do think it's interesting that you say that because i did choose finding nemo in part because i think it's one of the Pixar movies that does the best job of balancing a very mature tone and a very mature premise with, like you said, enjoying as a kid, the right silly side characters. A lot of the Pixar movies, I think, follow a very similar story structure to where it's a series of, you could almost call them vignettes, in service of the ultimate quest, right? Like Marlin is searching for Nemo, but in the pursuit of that, we have all of these individual moments, like the shark, the 
uh, angler thing down in the depths, the jellyfish, the whale, that there's all of these individual sort of moments that make up the full thing. And I know I'm just describing scenes in a film and that's how every film, but I think Pixar even more so has this same structure because I think it makes sense to a kid, right? Like it's linear, it's very clear. And then it's, it provides a very nice flow of action for each thing. And I think Finding Nemo is the best example of this. Speaking of one of the more modern ones, I think Soul is a movie that I really like as an adult, but I can't imagine watching as a kid and finding nearly as much enjoyment in it because I think it is significantly more mature for the entirety of its runtime. Whereas Finding Nemo really just has individual moments that get very mature or dark, but the vast majority of the film is fairly light and fun, I would say. Although I will say I had a friend, I had a friend who uh, broke down crying in the first, the opening of Finding Nemo and left the theater and has never seen all of it, I don't think, because he couldn't watch it all the way through as a kid. So <laughs> I think the critics might have some, some, uh, some right stuff there. But uh, Ali, what did you think of what do you what did you think of it on this uh, on this rewatch? Well, I think that it is the opening is definitely one of those classic Pixar openings that's very sad and sets up like either a well, it sets up the whole sort of character arc for the protagonist uh, or protagonists multiple. Um, I definitely noticed more its episodic nature, like you were just talking about this time around. Although I would say that I really appreciated it because I think that the different adventures that uh, they go on, specifically, um, I'm totally blanking on his name. Marlon? Isn't that the dad? Yeah. Yeah, Marlon yeah. and Dory go on a little bit less so for Nemo. But, there, yeah, there's a lot of variety in the things that they do. And just the locales that they visit. So, like, the minefield, um, the sunken submarine, uh, the jellyfish uh, horde, um, the, <clears throat> the whale's mouth, stuff like that. I think it's got a really good pace to it. And it always introduces these really exciting, interesting new locales or wrinkles for people or characters to deal with. Uh, and yeah, it's 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 something that I really enjoyed about this movie that I noticed I was enjoying about this movie this time around. Yeah, well, I, I just think all of the episodes are so fun like i just feel like the whole movie is very fun that even though like you said the opening which i think is phenomenal i mean everyone always goes to up as the best like pixar opening but i feel like this is another opening that is really fantastic it sets up 
Marlon's character so well and just really puts you in the space to where you get where he's coming from for the rest of the movie, right? Like he's very nervous and worried, but he has a good reason to be, right? Because he had this horrible thing happen to him all of these years ago. He's, I would say, fairly justified in being nervous about the open ocean, about being nervous about the safety of Nemo. And I think that also comes through. It, this movie did a ton of wide shots to where it would just be like from the side and there would be a lot of space in the shot. And I think it did a really fantastic job because they use it when um, they're on the drop off. And so there's stuff on the left side, but then on the right side, it's just open ocean. There's nothing. And so I think these wide shots do a really good job of showing where Marlon's coming from, that he sees this huge expanse and it just feels dangerous. Like there could be anything there. And I really appreciated that. But despite those things, the movie is just really fun. Like the jellyfish thing is fun, even though there's right some attack, there's some danger there. And the uh, all of the stuff in the fish tank is really fun with all of the different kooky characters pixar movies are one of the few movies where the kooky like side characters very rarely annoy me a huge amount even dory like i was not annoyed by dory i didn't think she was ever frustratingly dim or just being funny for the sake of being funny i thought she was really great so i definitely agree i like all the episodes and i think it's just i think it's just a lot of fun i just have a lot of fun with the movie yeah, I think that in terms of its characters, specifically the protagonist, Marlon, um, I think that there is some truth to the idea that Pixar can sometimes struggle to strike a balance in between the audiences that it caters to. Because obviously, the popular thing about Pixar is that its movies are so beloved by uh, audiences of all ages and sometimes especially these days it can feel but also in the time when they came out it can feel like the audiences that most enjoy them does kind of skew to the older side but at the same time i think that at least in this movie it does a good job of like, Marlon's character and his arc are understandable to children, I think. It's just that there's... So, like, children would definitely be able to have a superficial understanding of what's happening uh, and why the character acts the way that he does. But there's... For the older members of the audience who are more attentive there is a lot more subtext and kind of characterization. There's a lot more flesh to him for people who understand that uh, this is like, this is the reaction of somebody who's gone through a very serious trauma and has now erected all of these like borderline neurotic defenses, mental defenses to protect himself from that kind of devastation again. 
And I think that it's something that a lot of older audiences can appreciate, especially people who have experienced some kind of analogous uh, loss to what Marlon did. But I do remember as a child, and, you know, hey, maybe I was just a genius or really emotionally intelligent as a child, but I do remember kind of grasping the just the surface level aspect of his character arc that he was afraid to lose his son because of the because he lost his children and his wife and he had to overcome that uh, protectiveness to move on and to deepen his relationship with his child and yeah yeah absolutely I mean I also remember as a kid grasping so you aren't a genius you're not special because I'm not special <laughs> but um I do remember grasping that, yeah, Marlon was a, a bit of a helicopter parent and that he had reasons for being that way. I read a book that was about Pixar, like the formation of Pixar and then like the first five or so movies that they made. And so it talked about the like genesis of each of these films and the director who basically came to the animators and was like, hey, this is what I want to capture. And so Andrew Stanton, the guy who directed and wrote this film, he talked about a time where he was in the park with his son and his son got lost in the crowd in the park. And so he was looking for his son everywhere and he couldn't find him. And when he finally did find him, he like grabbed his hand and then was right dragging him to the car. And as he was doing this, he realized, cause the kid was right complaining as kids do that he was hurting him and he had this moment of realization that he was like my fear and my desire to keep this person i'm in charge of safe is resulting in damage to this person and so he went to pixar and was like hey this is the thing i want to make a movie about like this is the idea this is the concept i want to distill into a film and I just think it's so phenomenally done that just like you said kids can grasp yeah Marlon's got these things and then as an adult I watch it and there's even more there than I realized as a kid that I especially love in the scene where they're in the whale the whale whale's stomach and he's like, well, I just didn't want anything to ever happen to him. And Dory is like, well, you can't let nothing happen to him because then nothing would happen to him. That I think that scene is the perfect encapsulation of the movie and Marlon's character arc. And it's really phenomenally well done that a kid can watch it and grasp it and an adult can watch it and get even more, which I think is really impressive. Yeah, I think that the best way I could describe it is that Pixar movies feel like movies. They're de they definitely feel like children's movies, but they may they feel like children's movies that were made by adults. By which I mean when you watch certain other children tr kids movies, so for example, any illumination movie that you can think of, it feels like they were made by children, you know? It feels like there it was made by children to cater to the broadest possible common denominator of children because it's all incredibly basic 
the humor is, you know, not exactly, uh, it's, it's not a, it's not very funny. <laughs> it's mostly like slapstick body humor type nonsense. Um, whereas with Pixar, I think you have that core idea that's sort of universal for all ages. And then the older you get, the more context you bring to the movie and well, no, mm. Actually, that's not a, a that's not the way it is. The more context you realize has been always there in the movie, you just recognize it because of the context that you have. So, like when I first saw this, I had never experienced anything like the kind of loss that uh, Marlon experiences at the beginning of the movie. Now I have, and so I was able to appreciate because this is the first time I've watched this movie in several years, and so I was able to see those like signposts of kind of like building your life around the idea that if this, if something like this were to happen again, it would ruin you as a person. And so that, so then letting it kind of define you and letting it's protecting yourself become the focus of your entire life. It's the kind of thing that, you recognize as being the work of somebody who's been to that place and who has put it into their work, not necessarily for the children who obviously don't have the emotional intelligence to grasp it, but for the people who will be revisiting this movie from their childhood and sort of revealing its layers as they have the necessary context to understand what the filmmakers are doing. Yeah, which I think is why Pixar movies continue to be just so good and so highly praised is because they are uncannily good at doing that, at making a film that kids enjoy and parents can really grasp and really take a hold of. And I think Finding Nemo is one of the best examples of it. We could have chosen any Pixar movie for this, honestly. Any, like, early one, probably. Probably not Cars 2. And also, I guess, Elliot's rant against Illumination confirms we're not doing Secret Life of Pets. So, uh, Jake, you can stop asking for it all the time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's really fantastic. I guess I would say just to continue heaping praise upon the film like a child. I really like, I know I already said it, but I really like the side characters in this. I remember as a kid loving all of the side characters, but I love Crush and Squirt and their Australian dude bro <laughs> vibe. Uh, Bruce the shark with a fantastic, here's Johnny reference. Great job, Bruce the shark. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, all the people inside the thing, especially Gil. I think Gil is really fantastic. William Defoe popping off with the voice there. But, yeah, I just find all of the side characters really funny and really well done in a way that you don't always see in not just kids' movies, but just movies in general. We don't often get really good side characters like this. Yeah. <clears throat> um, just some other areas of the film that are not – 
character based or story based that I think deserve praise. Uh, the music is really good. Uh, it's a very oh. understated score, I think, but very effective. It's kind of like <laughs> it's a little bit like, or at least my uh, my opinion of it is sort of like my opinion of um, Spencer, uh, the mm. biopic of or the not really biopic, but the movie about uh, Princess Diana, with where the music isn't necessarily something that I want to listen to casually, but is just absolutely perfect for the movie that it's set in and does a lot to enhance the emotional beats of the story and contribute to not necessarily like obviously the music isn't going to change your understanding of it but it deepens the impact i think of a lot of the uh of a lot of the the themes and the character beats uh the animation it's not it's not really the kind of photorealistic animation that Pixar has uh, moved towards in these later years. Like they have definitely been pushing the envelope in terms of uh, animation quality in the past few years. But I think it's still really effective. It's very colorful, uh, and it's just it's just a real pleasure to look at even the less colorful moments like the giant uh trench just before the jellyfish is really it's and part of this is the cinematography uh it's just really well shot it's very imposing like it it does everything that it needs to do to enhance the on-screen action yeah i also just want to point out how good I think the character designs are in this movie that none of the fish look weird. I haven't ever watched, uh, is it called a, a shark's tail? I haven't ever watched a shark's tail all the way through, but yes, like, you have, you just don't remember it. Okay. I don't, I don't remember seeing it. Elliot does for whatever reason, but clips that I've seen from that, the fish look just kind of weird. It's hard to nail making something look human enough that you can kind of project humanity onto it, but not so human that you're like, that's not how a fish looks. That's some disgusting fish-man hybrid. And I think they all look really, all of the characters' designs look really good. Like, really good. Yeah, they're emotive, but they haven't been so anthropomorphized that... They no longer look recognizably aquatic. <laughs> yeah, like how they gesticulate with their fins. It's enough that you can see that they're gesticulating, as I'm gesticulating now, which you can't see, listener. But it's not so much that you're like, those aren't fins. Like, fins can't move like that. That's ridiculous. So it's just really good. It's like they can animate or something. I don't understand it. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, I will say that if I had to level some criticism at the film, that not all of the... So when it's in like the second act, uh, that's mainly the just the vignettes of Marlon and Dory kind of 
navigating the perils of the open ocean. That's probably where the film is at its strongest. Uh, in the third act, when Nemo has escaped, but Marlin thinks that he's, you know, he's dead, when it kind of shifts away from that structure back to a more, well, not back to, but onto a more traditional kind of uh, story, I don't know, I don't... I really dislike using the same word too much, but a traditional story structure. I think mm-hmm. that it kind of, it suffers a little bit. It kind the pacing kind of slows down a bit and it also relies on what's a fairly kind of cliche main characters fight before the climax of the movie thing, you know? Uh, it's it's not the worst I've ever seen because it's believable that Marlin would be uh, very emotionally frazzled and kind of primed to lash out, but it still doesn't make it still leaves kind of a flat taste in my mouth, especially since I think that here Pixar almost kind of goes too soft in that. I mean, you don't really want to see Marlin like completely broken as a, a, a as a person and uh, uh, trying to hide from his troubles in a bottle. But he does seem fairly well adjusted, even despite uh, this. Like this is the basically the realization of his worst possible fears. Uh, and the worst thing that happens is he just gets a little ticked off at at Dory. Well, he look. I don't know if that's the word. He looks pretty depressed there when he's just swimming back home. And I, I don't think. I think if I had to describe the third act, I think it is somewhat rushed in terms of. It's a lot of things that happen very quickly. It's I, honestly even just calling it a third act. It's like the last three scenes it's calling an act seems a little generous because it does go very quickly from he thinks he's dead to Nemo finds Dory to they find him to the final uh, fish in the net thing. So I think I could sort of see it's a little rushed. I don't have, I think it's perfectly legitimate, but I know the whole main characters fight before the end of the film thing is one of your pet peeves. It's not so much my pet peeve because I just think people get angry all the time. So it's plenty believable every time they fight to me. (laughs) But I do, I do agree. I don't think the third act is quite as strong as the stuff that came before it, but that's still like the stuff that comes before it is so good. I'd also like to shout out. I think easily one of my favorite scenes in the whole film is when Marlin starts telling the story to the turtles and then it shows the turtles telling like it shows the story passing along until it gets to Nemo. I just think that's the coolest thing ever and just shows how much like Nemo is affected by what Marlin is capable of doing that Nemo just touches the boat because he feels right trapped under his dad's idiosyncrasies like you said his OCD about keeping safe and that as soon as he sees that his dad is capable of 
being courageous and breaking free of these things that are affecting him. Nemo has the courage to go and successfully put the rock in the air filter. That I just think it's such a fantastic thing of showing this story transferring and then the effect that Marlin's character growth has on his son. I think that's really cool. And it made me really happy because I love stories about fathers and sons. So I was like, hooray. I wish my dad would do something like that for me. He doesn't even visit. Yeah, the uh, I think that the character arc, uh, the dual character arcs that it sets up between Nemo and his father are very satisfying. Especially, I think that despite the the very minor flaws of the third act, the third act is not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Um, despite all that, I do think that the last sort of brick in Marlin's character growth when he finally lets Nemo go to try to help Dory is very impactful and very well done. And the whole scene of them getting the fish to break out of the net is is really good. It's probably my favorite scene of the movie. Yeah, I remember as a kid just loving that scene. I swear I would start like standing up and jumping around because I was so nervous every time I saw it. I was like, oh, what's going to happen? Whoa. And then they always they always broke free. I couldn't understand. I couldn't believe it as a kid. It was amazing. Uh, it's positively miraculous. <clears throat> Whatever. I'm sorry that your childhood innocence died so long ago. I actually, when I watched it last night, I was standing up, jumping and cheering. My neighbors had to call me and tell me to quiet down. <laughs> it's like how it's sort of like how Jake can always make the introduction sound the exact same way as it did the previous week, <laughs> and the, the exact same way that it will next week. That they're able, they're always yeah. able to break out in the exact same way, doing the exact same things. <clears throat> yeah, for me, it's really quite amazing. Um, do you have any other uh, thoughts on the film? Any other final uh, comments? Uh, not really. I mean, this is just a really, really good, fun children's movie uh, that I think is really easy to appreciate as an adult and <clears throat> yeah, I don't think it's my favorite Pixar movie. My favorite is I don't know. I, I'm a, I have to admit I'm a sucker for stories about uh, grumpy, world weary old men rediscovering their lost humanity with the help of a of an energetic, idealistic young ward with whose protection they are abruptly charged. Uh, so basically, the the Last of Us story that you see in <laughs> in Up, but uh, either Up or Wally is probably my favorite. But what's your favorite Pixar movie? Uh, mine is Wally or uh, The Incredibles. Mm, yeah, <clears throat> which I rewatched The Incredibles recently, and it just is so fantastic, even with all of the superhero movies that have come since then it still feels incredibly fresh and clever as a superhero film and yeah it's just like this movie it's just a huge amount of fun uh, although i do think up is probably funnier i find <laughs> carl getting upset at the kid is just so funny every time i watch it 
Yeah, I I actually happen to have seen Incredibles recently as well, and I definitely liked it a lot. Um, although I think that that's definitely a movie where it's noticeably more skewed towards more mature audiences. Like, I think it would be much harder for a child to appreciate the more sophisticated, nuanced elements of Mr. Incredible's character arc uh, than it would be for some for a child to appreciate the character arc in uh, Finding Nemo. And obviously, they wouldn't understand, or hopefully, they wouldn't understand anything about the suspected infidelity subplot. Yeah, that would uh, that would be unfortunate if a kid could really easily grasp that. Uh, do you think? I guess since we've mentioned it a whole bunch of times, do you think it's a knock against the movie if it's too mature for the like? If you can still watch it and enjoy it, do you think you should deduct points because it is fundament like because it is an animated movie that is ultimately for children? Do you think that even if you enjoy it to the extent you would deduct it points just because you're like, this isn't good for its intended audience? Um, well, so my approach to ratings is always basically just trying to give some kind of quantification uh, or some kind of manifestation of how I feel about it on a scale. <clears throat> But I think that if I were to write a review of, say, The Incredibles, I would probably give it the same rating. I would give it the same... I wouldn't change anything about my rating, but I would definitely make it at least a significant part of my review would be, like, making it known that this might be a little bit on the mature side or a little bit on the hard-to-understand side for children, because I think in that kind of context where you're writing a review, where you're a professional film critic and, like, people are coming to you to because they want to know if they should see the movie or not, I think that there's a different kind of burden to make people aware of the kinds of difficulties that they may have with this movie, especially since it's a children's movie and obviously it's going to be the vast majority is going to be parents taking their children. Uh, so I would, I would make it known in my review that that was a consideration to make. That was so many more words than what that sentiment actually required <laughs> to express. Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree. But I, I feel the same way. I don't think it would change my number, but I think it's certainly something that, well, it's like any it's like any movie that if you don't think an audience is going to grasp it, you shouldn't be just cavalierly saying you should go to it. Like, I don't go around saying everyone should watch The Lobster because I'm aware that a large percentage of people who watch The Lobster are either going to think it's stupid or it's pretentious or they're just going to be upset at how the movie is done. And so I think there's certainly a large part of reviewing in like a public space is being aware of who am I trying to get to watch this movie? Like, is this a movie for everyone that I think everyone should see? Or is this a movie for 
people like very specifically like me. And so I should just be trying to say, hey, if you liked these movies, you'll like this. If you didn't, don't go to this because it'll make you upset. Anyway, anyway, on on to ratings. <laughs> what a transition. Oh, wait, also, also, I was going to ask, who do you think is the better short-term memory character, Dory or uh, Guy Pierce from Memento? Um, that's an interesting question. I guess probably Guy Pierce from <laughs> Memento is a more interesting, compelling character. I mean, Dory's for as much as I love Dory, she's really just a comedic relief side character. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to make a memento reference, so Oh, wow. Well, mission accomplished. There's Shadow. 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 All right. Quiet. Uh Elliot. <laughs> Elliot, you go first. Uh what's your letter rating? What's your grade for this film? So my my grade is uh, I'm gonna give it a, a B plus. It was definitely this was probably a hard one to make a decision on because I was oscillating between A minus and B plus. In the end, what cinched it wasn't really, as usual, wasn't really anything that the movie did particularly wrong. It's just that's you know that's the amount of enjoyment that I get out of this movie. Um, it doesn't make any huge mistakes that could have otherwise uh that without them would have meant a better grade it's just you know this is the this is what i get out of the movie uh i get a b plus worth of enjoyment uh out of the movie but yeah it's really good i enjoy it quite a bit that's great uh i'm in a 9.1 i really really liked this movie and i enjoyed it just as much as I hoped I would, I guess. I haven't seen this probably in five or six years or so. And yeah, it was a ton of fun. The animation holds up so well. The story is really fantastic. It's just, yeah, it's a ton of fun. It's one of those classic Pixar movies. It's, yeah, it's really fantastic. I think uh, everyone should see it. If you haven't seen it, if you've seen other Pixar movies and you haven't seen this one, you should watch this one because it's very good. But if you have seen it and maybe you're looking for a recommendation, Elliot, do we have a segment that could maybe help someone with that? You're supposed to say yes. I I know what you wanted me to say, but that I'm not getting you out of this one. You're going to have to – you've made your bed. Now you're going to have to lie in it, and you're just going to have to work with the material that you've provided yourself there. Whatever. We do have a section. It's called Recommendations. Elliot, what's your recommendation? Uh, so my recommendation is Amazing Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Or maybe it's just Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Not 100% sure. But uh, this is another animated movie. It's, uh, it's one that I absolutely love. I'm recommending it for people who enjoyed Finding Nemo. Because I think it's a great example of another movie that is perfect for audiences of all ages. Uh, I think that there's a lot of really powerful messaging about family and about confidence. 
themes that are timeless, but also that just like with uh, Finding Nemo, the older the, uh, you are and the more context you bring to the movie, the more you'll get out of it, I think. So I think that this is, if you're looking for a movie that's really fun, just like Finding Nemo, and that has that kind of adult subtext that you are capable of picking up on, I think that Into the Spider-Verse is a great pick. Nice. Okay. I'm going to recommend The Hunt for the Wilder People, which is a movie by Taika Waititi. <laughs> it's a, it's a movie about a, a, a world-weary old man rediscovering his lost humanity thanks to the energetic idealism of a young ward with whose protection he's abruptly charged. It, it is, in fact, one of those movies. It's by the guy who directed Thor Ragnarok, and I think he directed another Thor movie, but I blacked it out because it's terrible. But no, this movie's a ton of fun, and it's like Elliot just described the plot, but it's a lot of fun. I think it's a movie that a kid could kind of enjoy because the kid character is out there doing kid things. He's kidding it up, and kids will be related to that or whatever i don't know i was never a kid so i wouldn't know but yeah it's a lot of fun but there is a deeper subtext about uh sam neill's character sam neill being uh alan grant from jurassic park and him kind of dealing with some uh difficulties that he faces through the course of the film but it's a lot of fun my mom really liked it so that it comes with my mother's seal of approval and it's very funny. I can't remember any of the jokes right now, but I remember laughing when I saw it. So I'm sure parts of it are funny. <laughs> not every movie... It is an understatement to say that not every movie that you and I watch uh, can claim to have our mother's seal of approval. Yeah, yeah she's, a, she's a tough tough nut to crack. She, she do be critical. <laughs> She's very critical. All right, let's um, let's start winding it down. The sun yep. is a bit lower in the sky. We're all yep. a little bit wiser, a little bit older, a little bit better educated on on movies and cinema. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think if this movie proves anything, it's that sometimes life is hard. Sometimes life is fun, though. Life is fun and full of happiness, you know? That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you should mention that because I actually – I have this thing where I, I actually think that life is hard and full of disappointments. Oh, a bit of a, bit of a contradiction there, the two of our statements. Yeah. But, um, yeah, thanks for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. I'm about to go eat some Jethro's, so I'm very excited for that. Thank you to Shadow for cameoing. Yep. Thank you once again to Shadow. One of these days we'll watch a dog movie and he can participate more.